I don't know if this sets the tone for the episode at all. That's okay. You don't know about this episode. Yeah. I'm just going to go with this. And it's a topic that has recently come to my attention. Well, been forced into my attention, should I say? And this article, it doesn't fully encapsulate. So maybe I can fit a few more comments in it. This article I found on the BBC titled Pablo Escobar, Why Scientists Want to Kill Colombia's Hippos. Uh, yes, I am familiar with the story. Okay, good. So is it on par for this episode? <laughs> well, it follows very nicely in the two episodes ago intro with the alien invasive species, the cat. Yes, I'm very yeah. good at these. Okay, here's the gist of things. Pablo Escobar, not going to get into him right now. If you don't know, just listen all the way through this podcast and then go look at him. And you then go watch Narcos or something like that. Yeah, he had a lot of exotic animals in his mansion. Most of them to deadly the too, like exotic, deadly, like security guards. Yeah. Because people know how to thwart a security dog. How do you thwart a security tiger? And hippos are like the most dangerous animal on the planet. So why not add some hippos? Anyhow, Pablo Escobar is shot in his house, I believe. I don't know. It says right in here. I'm just going by that. I don't know a whole lot. I know of him. I don't know the whole history. Anyhow, this article says the cocaine kingpin is also responsible for what scientists call an ecological time bomb. Basically what happened after he died, he had the zoo, as we just alluded to or outright said to you. And they were filled with all these animals. And basically they took out all these animals and sent them to zoos, except the hippos. They were like, we can't really move these. We're just going to leave them and hopefully they'll die what are they gonna do? Breed? Yeah. What are they gonna do? Like, threaten the entire ecosystem? Nah. They leave the hippos, and the hippos thrive in Colombia. They absolutely love it in Colombia. They're on a little vacation. They breed. They're, like I said, thriving. And they're destroying the environment, pretty much. And they're an invasive species, even more than cats in Poland. And they are, not only are they kind of destroying the environment around them they don't fit into the circle of life shall i say the The food food chain chain. that's there there's no one there to hunt them as with africa they obviously have some threat of existence in africa not in colombia do they i think it's really just all species in africa know how to watch out for them like i think they're top of the food chain are they sorry i have seen lions attack a hippo I mean, they're not bottom of the food chain by any means. Hold on. Does a hippo have a natural... Vegetarians. That's nice. Yeah. And they can still fuck you up and eat you if they need to. Hippo. They're tertiary consumers. Not sure what that means. I don't know. Crocodiles, lions, and spotted hyenas will crown young hippos. But like older hippos are top of their food Okay, chain. so they, they have a check. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah, so with nothing being able to, you know, kill the baby hippos, they're just thriving and multiplying. Their excrements, is that the politically correct way to say it? Is poisonous to some of the creatures in the surroundings. And Interesting. I've also found out that they're unable, well, they have been sterilizing them through poisons, but they're unable to castrate them because apparently, which I found out, I thought... There was an error while we were recording and this part of the episode is missing. Chelsea was going on to say scientists are unable to locate hippo balls. <laughs> it's is this just thing? like... It's a true thing. I googled. Them. Are these top Colombian scientists that can't locate their balls, or is this it's, just like I common? I googled it. It's not okay. just 
Yeah, it's okay. just a thing about hippos. I called BS on it as well, and to my surprise, it's a thing. They just can't be located. The best minds <laughs> in Colombia could not locate the balls on the hippo. Yes, yes. So basically, they have these scientists saying that they're destroying the environment and they need to be euthanized. But there's also this whole section of other people in Colombia who are doing hippo tours. And they've named these hippos and they're making a great living off of touring around and showing these hippos. So they're rooting for them to stay alive and then- Yeah, they're in the pocket of Big Hippo. Yeah, and then there's the other ones that are calling for a hippo call and nobody really wants to have a hippo call. And anyhow, this is the story about the cocaine hippos. You know what, this has me asking the question, is hippo delicious? Because <laughs> you think there'd be more of a call to call them if they're delicious. It has a mild flavor with gamey undertones. Can best be compared to beef, but is better and more flavorful than regular cow meat. What? Does anybody know uh, this? Hippo meat is cooked in the same way as lamb or beef, but is very hard to find, especially in the mainstream market. <laughs> <laughs> that comes we... from foodsguy.com. <laughs> What oh does God. hippo meat taste like? And didn't we have it in our ghost dinosaur? Was Makili and Bembe on our ghost dinosaur episode? Macaulay and Bembe. Uh, yes, he was. Wasn't there a story about somebody eating Macaulay? I can't remember. Somebody will have to go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, let us know. Because we're not. We had too much on our and, plate. Yeah, we really do. Also, I, I didn't read this one really good quote from the article, which is, it's like being in a Jurassic Park movie. You know what? I didn't really read this article at all, except for that quote. And with that, I think we can start the episode. Okay, let's do it. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, the podcast that, if nothing else, can at least be described as weekly. I actually have people stopping me on the street all the time, Chelsea, and they're saying, hey, you're Taylor, that host of that podcast, Journey to the Fringe. Is it any good? And I say, well, it's weekly. And they get it. I like how they stop you and they ask you if about the podcast. Are you I know, it's, it's actually quite strange, which is why I don't engage any further with that. <laughs> We are your weekly hosts to this weekly podcast, Taylor and Chelsea, and today we are continuing on in the stories that we've kind of linearly been following, and that is government programs. Now, we have been coming off a little bit of the more paranormal side of government programs, and today we are going to be talking about another clandestine activity, commonly known as Five Eyes, which shouldn't spoil the episode for most of you. I don't think most people know what Five Eyes is. It hasn't been spoiled for me yet. Perfect. We're going to be talking about the program known as Five Eyes, who's in it, where it comes from, what it has done, and what those implications are as we go. Now, before we begin, I do need to get a few things out of the way, just because there's going to be a few acronyms that come up as we go. They're very important, and some of them seem very simple, others that you probably have no idea who they are. So first and foremost, NSA is going to come up. That is the U.S.'s National Security Agency. Very large clandestine operative. Viewer of stuffs that we're all doings. 
I already have a score of 100%. I knew that one. Okay. Next up, GCHQ. That is Great Britain's General Communications Headquarters. Very similar to the NSA, but British. Next up, this is Canada's CSE, Communications Security Establishment. Close to CSIS, but more so focused on online activity and code breaking. Next up, we have GCSB. This is New Zealand's General Communications Security Bureau. And then we have ASD, the Australian Signal Directorate. Okay. I think I really lowered your average. Gonna say it went downhill from there. My score is at 1%. But I'll try and keep up. And don't worry, that doesn't make you a bad Canadian to not know who CSE is. I didn't even know what CSE was until I started researching this episode because I thought it would be a CSIS episode. That's basically Canada's CIA, but oh, we it, have one it's of not. Them. It's, yeah, CSIS, but it's not. We have CSE involved in this episode. To start this episode off, we're going to go all the way back to World War II, but pre-U.S. involvement in World War II. And we see the start of an agreement, an informal information exchange between the U.S. and the U.K. This is in early 1941. It is basically just sharing of information for the purposes of breaking codes. The Enigma machine is being worked on by Alan Turing at the time, and he has some information exchanges with the U.S. to help break the codes as they're coming in from the Nazis. Now, this turns into a more formal agreement known as the Atlantic Charter in August of 1941. And this is where the formal relationship of Five Eyes really takes place is in the Atlantic Charter, which continues on here. The Atlantic Charter lays out the allied goal for the post-war world. And although it is 1941, they're still kind of planning out what this will be long term. On May 17th of 1943, the British US Communications Intelligence Agreement, better known as BRUSA, or Brusa, I think. I haven't actually watched any videos on this, so you know, pronunciations, what's good. Yes, as always. Was signed by the UK and the US government to facilitate cooperation between the US War Department and British Government Code and Cipher School. On March 5th, 1946, this officially becomes post-World War II. The secret treaty was formalized and it's known as the UK-USA Agreement. And this is the big agreement that we're gonna be talking about basically the entire way as we go. It is interesting how the timeline kind of works because it starts pre-World War II for the US. So they're not involved in the war at all. They're just sharing information. And that's the extent of their involvement in World War II up until December of 1941. Pearl Harbor happens. And because Japan attacks the US, that means the US has to go to war against Germany. That's the short of World War II somehow. Because World War II happens, this is really a changing of the power guard from the UK to the US. What really comes out of this is the UK has a lot of networks set up, but they are economically devastated by World War II, so they don't have any real funds or infrastructure. Whereas the US, fairly unscathed by World War II, has a lot of funds and abilities to build, but they don't have any of the infrastructure that the UK has. So this is where the relationship for an information exchange really comes up and really helps both parties. Makes a lot of sense. It does, except for the fact that it's called the Five Eyes, and I've talked about two groups right now, so. So the episode's not ending here? Fortunately <laughs> not, because there are more, and it's actually gonna get bigger before it gets smaller again. So in 1948, this UK-USA agreement expands and has a lot of groups join as kind of third parties to it. They're not really bound by it, but they can participate. And those countries are, in 1948, Canada, Norway, Denmark, 
West Germany, Australia, and New Zealand. By 1955, this officially formalizes to the status of five main countries officially being acknowledged in the newer version of the UK-USA agreement that contained this following statement. At this time, only Canada, Australia, and New Zealand will be regarded as UK-USA collaborating Commonwealth countries. So this would be just kind of the start of the Cold War. So this is actually a post-World War II thing. It starts as a World War II thing. It needs to find something to be able to do. Wouldn't you know what the Cold War starts? And boy, howdy, do we need spies in the Cold War. So during the Cold War, the GCHQ and the NSA shared intelligence on the Soviet Union, the People's Republic of China, and several Eastern European countries. And over the course of several decades, the Five Eyes monitored the Soviet Union and all its allies. A few examples of what they did, some of it good, some of it bad during this time. During the Vietnam War, Australia and New Zealand operators in the Asia Pacific region worked directly to support the United States while GCHQ operators stationed in the then British colony of Hong Kong were tasked with monitoring North Vietnamese air defense networks. And during the Falkland Wars, the British received intelligence data from its Five Eyes allies, such as Australia, as well as from third parties such as Norway and France. And in the aftermath of the Gulf War, a technician of the ASIS was used by SIS to bug Kuwait government offices. In the 1950s, SIS and the CIA jointly orchestrated to overthrow Iran's Prime Minister of Mohammad Mossadegh. And in the 1960s, SIS and the CIA jointly orchestrated the assassination of the Congolese independence leader Patrice Lumumba. In the 1970s, the ACES and CIA jointly orchestrated the overthrow of Chile's president Salvador Allende, and during the Tiananmen Square protests of 1989, SIS and the CIA took part in Operation Yellowbird to rescue dissidents from the Chinese government. This might seem a little bit confusing because I talked about it about as an information exchange, but this it gets a little more involved. If you put the question fully to it, nobody fully knows what the UK-USA agreement fully entails. As far as we're concerned, just in the wording, it's a memoranda of understanding. You're going to share your information with me. I'm going to share it with you. Okay. If you want to share it, it'll be there. If you don't, that's okay. It's non-binding. But there's been a lot of collaboration with parties involved in Five Eyes and the UK. USA agreement that goes far beyond just sharing information. Are we going to learn about it? Well, I just talked about a lot of it. Okay, we've already learned about it. We learned about a Some few of, of it. them. It's going to okay. keep going. A yeah. few. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, because people who aren't allies aren't going to be sharing information with each other, but they're all allies to each other to share information. Yeah. They're sharing their top secret information, which is huge. It's what you spied on other countries to find because you're all in geopolitically different locations, so you have better options for spying on basically is what it started as. Yeah, okay. Australia and New Zealand are well situated in the Southeast Asia area. So there's lots to spy on there, particularly with Vietnam right there. Britain is right there in Europe. And then Canada, the US, Canada is very close to Russia and the US is just a very large, powerful yeah. For a long time, nobody actually knew about the UK-USA agreement. So it started way back in 1941 as BRUSA, but it turns into the UK-USA agreement in 46. Nobody actually finds out about it until the 70s. That's a long time. Yeah, this is something that might be an episode in itself someday. It's super weird, but it's purely Australian. So, you know, maybe, maybe <laughs> better for Australians to talk about than us. 
Yeah. Uh, it's called the Murphy Raids. In 1973, basically the Attorney General of Australia did these secret police raids on top secret headquarters and obtained all this information <laughs> from top secret Australian government groups that the government didn't know about. This government was immediately outed because of it, but th this is how we learned about the UK-USA agreement in five But why hours. would they have documents? Well, the top secret government organizations, oh, right. the AFT. Yeah. Because they would, so the, okay, yeah. He was raided by the government, and that's how they found out about it. This is also <laughs> how the Australian government finds out about Pine Gap and the CIA involvement there. It's super messed up. So, in the aftermath of these 1973 Murphy raids on the headquarters of the Australian Security Intelligence Organization, ASIO, or ASIO, the existence of the UK-USA agreement was revealed to Australia's Prime Minister, Hugo Whitlam. After learning about the agreement, Whitlam discovered that Pine Gap's a secret surveillance station close to Alice Springs Northern Territory had been operated by the U.S. CIA. And at the height of the 1975 Australian constitutional crisis, the use and control of Pine Gap by the CIA was strongly opposed by Whitlam, who fired the chief of ASIO before being dismissed as prime minister. Like, this is such a weird time in Australian history because of that. But Pine Gap is super messed up. It's a CIA spy headquarters in the middle of Australia that is just a database. Like, it is as big as a soccer stadium, and it is just meant to store data. And it is fully run by the CIA. Data of what? Data they've collected on people. That's weird. Yeah, but okay. Australia is not the only one who finds out about it around this time. In Canada, in 1974, an investigation report from CBC News, the Fifth Estate, revealed the existence of the Communications Security Establishment Canada, CSE, which we talked about earlier. Nobody knew it existed until 1974, despite it being around for over 20 years. Did our own government out it? No, that was CBC. Well, I guess technically, because CBC is a government body kind of is it oh i guess well, in canada yeah. everything is it's fully funded yeah. yeah in 1975 the church committee of the senate revealed the existence of the nsa which again is a party to the uk usa agreement in 1976, in Britain, an investigation article in Time Out magazine revealed the existence of the GCHQ. In Australia, the Hope Commission revealed the existence of the Australian Secret Intelligence Services, ASIS, and the Defence Signal Directorate. And in 1980, in New Zealand, the existence of the GCSB was officially disclosed on a limited basis. That's surprising. Limited basis in quotation marks. And all of these government entities, they're all a result of the treaty that they have? It's really hard to say because that would be an episode in itself looking into each of these parties. Or they're just entities that are entangled. Yeah, in this. and I feel uncomfortable giving you a straight answer on whether or not these bodies came about in response to this agreement or whether or not they were just assigned to it in secret beforehand. I feel but like they... they were probably assigned to it in secret. Yeah. But... I was just trying to... Okay. But in any event, in all these head. countries, nobody knew about these bodies that were part of Five okay. Eyes before the 70s, despite the okay. fact that they've been around for 20 years. I think that's what I was trying to get at there. Everyone was shocked that these entities existed. Yeah. And they were involved with the Five Eyes. These aren't the only leaks in it. In 1999, the Australian government acknowledged finally that it, quote, does cooperate with counterparts signal intelligence organizations overseas under the UK-USA relationship. Like, this is 40 years later, and they're finally saying, okay, yeah, we do, we do help out with this. <laughs> But at that point, if it's been going on for 40 years, they're like, so what? This is old news. Yes. <laughs> Just accept it now. Even crazier, no person outside of like the organizations laid eyes on the UK-USA agreement until it was publicly revealed in 2005. 
50 years later. Wow. So like this thing that they've all been operating under, nobody knew, like we kind of knew there was an agreement in place. Nobody saw it until 50 years after it was agreed upon. Or in the US's case, in the UK's case, 60 years later. Wow, that's a long time. Make me wonder about what's going on now that we don't know about. And then the contents of the agreement were officially disclosed to the public on June 25th, 2010. And four days later, the agreement was described by Times Magazine as one of the most important documents in the history of the Cold War. Like this spying agreement is oh. huge, yet nobody knows about it. That's shocking. Yeah. And then the reason we're really talking about it at this point is in 2013, documents leaked by the former NSA contractor, Edward Snowden, revealed the existence of Nuverance surveillance programs jointly operated by the Five Eyes group. The following list included several notable examples reported in the media. Uh, we're going to talk about those in a bit. I was just thinking that it reminds me of him, but I didn't know if yeah. it was... I was going to sound insane when I brought it up, so I didn't. And this is a quote directly from Edward Snowden when talking about Five Eyes. The Five Eyes Alliance is sort of an artifact of the post-World War II era, where the Anglophone countries are the major powers banded together to sort of cooperate and share the costs of intelligence gathering infrastructure. The result of this was over decades and decades, some sort of supranational intelligence organization that doesn't answer to the laws of its own countries. You know what? so funny there is just a thing i was listening to the news as i always do because i'm an old person on my drive today and they were talking about how the police can uh, this probably has nothing to do with it the police can access your phone calls and camera on your phone like the actual like look through your camera on your phone yeah whenever they want but then they're reassuring the public they have they have to follow proper protocols to do it and everything but that doesn't change the fact that they can do it at any time that they really want to. I don't know if that's related or not, but I didn't know that. Feel free to edit that out. No, that's fine. Don't worry, it will actually become pertinent as we continue on. We talked about the Cold War. This is mainly what it was actually created to do work on. Naturally, in the 90s, when the Cold War kind of ends, I just say that because we're kind of back in another weird Cold War with True. Russia. So it really depends. It might just be a break, like, you know, Ross and Rachel had. I think it lasted about the same time, too. <laughs> yeah. The entirety sure. of friends. Actually, yes. Anyhow. Weird coincidence. The Cold War at least is lukewarm at this point, and probably a bad way to describe that. <laughs> Five Eyes has nothing to really focus on, but thankfully for them, something happens in 2001 that gives them a new focus for espionage and information gathering, and that is the War on Terror begins. The surveillance capabilities of Five Eyes were greatly increased as a part of the global war on terror. During the run-up to the Iraq war, the communications of UN Inspector Hans Blix were monitored by Five Eyes, and the office of the UN Secretary General Kofi Annan was bugged by British agents, part of Five Eyes. An NSA memo detailed plans of the Five Eyes to boost eavesdropping on UN delegates of six countries as part of a oh dirty tricks God. campaign to apply pressure on these six countries to vote in favor of using force against Iraq. The SIS and the CIA forged a surveillance partnership with Libya's ruler, Muammar Gaddafi, to spy on Libyan dissidents in the West in exchange for permission to use Libya as a base of extraordinary renditions. I've heard of him. <laughs> Name rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my comment. Yeah, it keeps going from there. I think that's a good point to stop talking about the history of it and move on to why we're actually... Lots of political pressure, it sounds like. 
that they're yeah but here's why we're actually going to be talking about this so compared to the world's most notorious spy services the cia Mossad, five eyes is virtually unknown yet as an organization the five eyes collects and disseminates far more intelligence with less oversight than any national intelligence service and it does so on a global scale the watchdog group Privacy International has dubbed the alliance the Five-Eyed Monster. While their agencies have collaborated for decades, representatives of Five Eyes had never been seen together in public until they shared a stage in Aspen, Colorado in November of 2018. And this is why it is fucking terrifying. So I just pulled up the CSIS Act because this is just kind of CSIS, the Canadian Security Information Services. It's a very good example of the type of legislation that dictates what spy groups can do for a country. So subject to this section, the service may, in relation to the defense of Canada or the conduct of international affairs of Canada, assist the Minister of National Defense or the Minister of Foreign Affairs within Canada in the collection of information or intelligence relating to the capabilities, intentions, or activities of a any foreign state or group of foreign states or any person other than a Canadian citizen, a permanent resident. Really, all I want to focus on is any person other than a Canadian citizen. So most countries have within their legislation, your spy group cannot spy on your own citizens. Seems fairly straightforward. It'd be a huge infringement on the rights of the citizens and really be terrible for the government because they have a lot of dirt on the people within the country. Yeah, seems like it's specifically worded that way, though. Basically, all of them are going to say something similar to that. You cannot collect information on people either within your country or citizens of your country. I'm afraid of where this is going. Okay. In recent years, documents of the Five Eyes have shown that they are intentionally spying on one another's citizens and sharing the collected information with each other. Shami Chakrabarty the director of the advocacy group Liberty claimed that Five Eyes Alliance increases the ability of member states to subcontract their dirty work to each other. And the former NSA contractor Edward Stolen described the Five Eyes as a supranational intelligence organization that doesn't answer to the laws of its own country. As a result of Snowden's disclosure, the Five Eye Alliance has become the subject of a growing amount of controversy in parts of the world. For example, in Canada, in late 2013, the Canadian federal courts strongly rebuked CSIS for outsourcing its surveillance of Canadians to overseas partners' agencies. The ruling asserts that CSIS and other Canadian federal agencies have been illegally enlisting Five Eye allies in global surveillance dragnets while keeping domestic federal courts in the dark. In New Zealand in 2014, the NZSIS and the GCSB of New Zealand were asked by the New Zealand Parliament to clarify if they had received any monetary contributions from members of the Five Eye Alliance. Both agencies withheld relevant information information and refused to disclose any possible monetary contributions from Five Eyes. David Cunliffe, leader of the Labour Party, asserted that the public is entitled to be informed. That's literally all we got on that. Yikes. And the entire European Union in early 2014, the Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice and Home Affairs released a draft report which confirmed that the intelligence agencies of New Zealand and Canada had cooperated with the NSA under Five Eyes programs and may have been actively sharing personal data of EU citizens. 
That is terrifying. Okay, can I ask a few questions? Yeah. It seems like, you know, when Snow, we've talked about Snowden a few times in here. When it came to light about what he had found and he leaked this information out or just straight up whistleblowed and out came the information. I'm sure I'm not the only one that was like those poor US citizens in the US where he is located and is spying on their citizens. But what you're saying is not that they should be terrified. It's probably us. No, it's the fact that all of our spy agencies, particularly those five, but not just those five, are in an agreement where the NSA is watching us and then giving that information to the Canadian government to avoid having to worry about spying on our own citizens. So I was thinking like those poor people in the US are all being spied on, like that's awful, but it's actually them also giving information on us as well, which sucks and I don't think anybody realized that. Which leads me to my next point. I don't remember hearing anything about this in the Snowden, like what he put out. I only remember hearing that the NSA is spying on everybody, not specifically every everyone and the five eyes i don't specifically remember hearing five eyes come up at all yet the fact is it is terrifying and very much so something that apparently was released at that time it's a very important part of the story and i guess we get our information from the media telling a story so if they don't want to put it in i guess it doesn't go in but i mean to be fair you can find articles from cbc in about 2013 disclosing this five eyes yeah. Okay, to be Pro fair, yes. Edward Snowden stuff. I just take in sometimes what is convenient. And I'm like, wow, yeah. that's awful. Let's well, and this was a long time ago now, so it's hard to fully remember what actually was there and what you were True. Okay, I'm just getting a general snapshot of what I took away from it, I guess. And that was that yeah. the NSA is spying on people. I did not yeah. think that it would be us up here in north terrifying. now what exactly yeah what exactly is included in five eyes well part of the answer lies in uh, a fact that australia canada new zealand and the uk and the u.s have come to share many extraordinary five-way partnerships not just the spy alliance so the intensification of intergovernmental ties has been nothing short of remarkable look no further than the various joint statements on encryption hong kong nagorno karabaka the most recent one will probably be huawei how it, mm. it seems very curious that all these countries have banned Huawei to some extent oh. from their infrastructure. Okay. And those are the only countries I particularly remember hearing those particular statements from. Mm. I'm sure there were others, but I specifically remember it all coming out around the same time with like the UK, Canada, US. Right. Yes. I forgot about that. But there's other countries. Okay. Thus went Nanaya Mahuta, the new New Zealand foreign minister, spoke at a joint press conference with her Australian counterpart, Maurice Payne, on April 22nd, 2021. She felt strongly compelled to clarify that the government of Wellington was against such expansion, including when it comes to the China policy of the Five Eyes Arrangement, which is about a security intelligence framework. It is not necessary all the time on every issue. To invoke Five Eyes as your first port of call in terms of creating a coalition of support around particular issues in the human rights space. So it can be really hard to say where to actually say Five Eyes ends, whether it is just a sharing of information for clandestine activity, or if it literally is like political activities to block um, certain movements, to have a solidified viewpoint or anything past that. Maybe a gray area yeah. that they extend in, a, in certain circumstances. And the UK-USA agreement does not mention military cooperation or military conflict once, and neither do the subsequent iterations of this document, which Australia, Canada, and New Zealand signed in the following years as they each formally joined the alliance as equal partners. 
Yes. So again, like it is a super weird arrangement that really just seems to be sharing activities, but these guys also do act in uniform way more often than not. And then I just wanted to talk about a few of the programs that came out with Edward Snowden's leak. There was PRISM, which was operated by the USA together with the GCHQ and ASD. X Keyscore, operated by the NSA with contributions from the ASD and the GCSB. Tempora, which was operated by the GCHQ and contributions by the NSA. Muscular, operated by the GCHQ and the NSA. And if you want to learn more about those, feel free to look into them yourself because I wanted to focus on this last one, which is called Stateroom. And it brought a revelation to my mind, which I didn't expect in this episode. So State Room is the code name for a highly secretive signals intelligence collection program involving the interception of international radio, telecommunication, and internet traffic. It is operated out of the diplomatic missions of the signatories of the UK-USA agreement in almost a hundred US embassies and consulates worldwide. State Room operations are conducted by the Special Collection Services, SCS, a unit that is jointly operated by the CIA and NSA. According to documents leaked by Edward Snowden, the true mission of stateroom personnel is generally not revealed to the rest of the diplomatic staff at the facilities where they are assigned. On November 23 of 2013, the Dutch newspaper NRC Handelsblad released a top secret NSA presentation leaked by Snowden which showed the presence of SCS operations in numerous diplomatic missions located in the following cities. Athens, Bangkok, Berlin, Brasilia, Budapest, Frankfurt, Geneva, Lagos, Milan, New Delhi, Paris, Prague, Vienna, Zagreb. In October of 2013, reports by former NSA contractor Edward Snowden led to the revelation of the SCS having systematically wiretapped Chancellor of Germany Angela Merkel's oh my God. private cell phone over a period of over 10 years, Whoa. among other activities to wiretap and systematically record large amounts of European and South American leaders and citizen communications. Other SCS locations include Baku, Kiev, Madrid, Moscow, Pristina, Rome, Sarajevo, oh my God. Tbilisi, and Tirana in Albania. That's crazy. And this, all five members of Five Eyes participated in this in some way. Australia, the collection of signals intelligence by Australian embassies and high commissions occurs in capital cities in East Asia and Southeast Asia, namely Bangkok, Beijing, Dili, which is in East Timor, Hanoi, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, and Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea. As of March 16, 2015, New Zealand's GCSB agency has secret listening posts codenamed Caprica. At the New Zealand Commission Honiara, the capital of the Solomon Islands, the Caprica outpost was reportedly modeled after the NSA's stateroom outposts. In the UK, as of 2013, the British embassies and consulates in the following capital cities are known to contain clandestine surveillance activities. Berlin. So they at least admitted to Berlin. In the 1980s, surveys were conducted by Canada's CSA agency to pick out Canadian embassies suitable to function as surveillance outposts. But we have no confirmation as to what cities or countries Canada's diplomatic groups are collecting clandestine information. Okay, so as a part of this agreement, are all the people, you know, running these these operations and running the countries and everything everyone's obviously okay that they're also probably being spied on by these other countries i assume maybe it's just like and no they would not be they would absolutely not be and what? actually uh, as far yeah as far as it's actually supposed to be, no if you're on a diplomacy mission 
you are absolutely forbidden from clandestine activity. Like you're there to act as your presence in the country for either diplomatic purposes, for negotiations, or talking on behalf of your country, or as a representative for people from your country or nationals of your country to have access to your country abroad. Like that's what diplomats are supposed to do. That's it. Okay, so they are not supposed to spy. That is no, not them spying. I'm saying like other countries are like tapping Justin Trudeau's phone when he's like yes like screw that I'm not gonna go to the First Nations and apologize I'm gonna go surfing in Tofino like that wouldn't be recorded by somebody else I mean yeah they would be very pissed off if somebody was recording that yeah I who knows though, because he probably has a Rogers plan and Rogers is just gonna spell <laughs> that info to the highest bidder. Yeah. If it's working at the if time. If it's working, yeah, exactly. Okay, I thought I'd bring that but up. But this is the revelation I got from the stateroom program was, do you remember the two Michaels from a couple of years ago in the Yes, in news? China, yeah. And they were a retaliatory um, imprisonment. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Two diplomats in China that were wrongfully imprisoned in response to, I can't remember, it was the vice president of Huawei who was arrested yeah. for breaching the Iran embargo. Okay, I believe you. Which, you just listened to what I was talking about, right? The I stateroom program and how so. we have been clandestinely listening and stealing information from other countries that they don't want us to have yeah. through our diplomats. Yeah, I, I get Some I of them knowing that. and some of them don't. Yeah. As far as I was aware, the two Michaels were always fully stated as unjustly imprisoned. But now that I know about stateroom and that we were spying through our diplomats, I just don't know if that's true or not anymore. I thought it was because of the Yahweh. Huawei. Huawei. I mean, just because it is politically motivated doesn't actually mean they didn't break a law. Hold on a second. You may have to edit this out or edit that out what I just said. Are we thinking okay. that the two Michaels were spying on people? See, I don't know if it was them specifically, but people possibly working for them. I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm. this is just speculation on my part. I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out that they were up to some type of clandestine activity within their diplomatic group. Ah, true that. Because nobody would want to say outright that that's what they were doing. And if we're talking about this on our podcast, there's no way that China doesn't know about this. No, and specifically, uh, this is an article I was reading. I can't remember where I grabbed it from. It wasn't a huge source, so take it probably as propaganda. On December 10th, 2018, two Canadian citizens were arrested in China, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaver, later getting coined the moniker, the two Michaels. Hmm. The Chinese government charged them with espionage. Hmm. Whereupon they went to trial, and on August 11th, 2021, Spaver was sentenced by the court to 11 years imprisonment. All his assets in China seized, and eventually deported for spying with Kovrig's court case continuing. Huh. So what information is Five Eyes grabbing from you? It's basically anything that's available out there. I brought it up earlier, it's the Echelon and Prism. They're two programs that have been working with the Five Eyes. Basically, it started out as telecommunications faxes that they were be intercepting. It got expanded to emails when emails came around. Remember, this is something going back to the 50s hmm. which at this point i think we all know how much information is available on our phone i was just gonna say it's getting more and more every year that we can put into cyberspace of us eventually probably gonna be you know virtual reality chelsea do you ever get that feeling that your phone's listening to you all the time because you yes. say something and then you get that uh, that ad nothing that you ever search for just talk about and then there's yeah the ad you just talked it. about it that one time yeah i mean we do actually know that our phones are listening to us all the time, I can say, hey Siri, 
and some of your phones, if you're listening to this in your car or on speaker, are now going to pop up and be ready to go. That means that that phone was listening to you this entire time waiting for that code phrase. True. All of that information would be included, and this is on the far end of possible conspiracy theory. Oh my but that God. all is telecommunication information that goes back to a party which can be intercepted. And we have everything now that's making it even easier. There's the Google Echoes or Dot Amazon ones. Everything's just listening for you to give it yeah, a command. Samsung has the new one called Wiretap coming out in the fall. Wow. That's and everything's joke, just, just, so you, just so you know. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that one. Yeah. I would have just fully okay. believed, like, should I go see the Samsung wiretap? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, it does. What a catchy name. Everything's just listening for you now. Concerning. Yeah, and all that information is available to Five Eyes. On the most extreme end of the conspiracy, that's what they're getting. And they're selling it to us. Yeah. Well, and on the most mundane part of it, they're at least getting metadata from your phone text messages um, and emails which I'm fairly certain get are getting more than that, but I can't speculate outside of that. Okay. To add a little more concern to it, Five Eyes is just one moniker. There are actually many different name iterations, which includes a proposed Six Eyes, Nine Eyes, and Fourteen Eyes, depending on how you want to include third parties involved. And as of 2022, there are actually proposed groups to join Five Eyes, which include South Korea, Japan, India, and Germany. Wow. So just expanding the surveillance state a little further. Yeah. And to finish this off, well, what can be done? Well, the public should have clarity as of the circumstances in which 5i intelligence agencies will exchange information and the procedure governing such exchange, including limiting the sharing of intelligence to what is necessary and proportionate. Governments must extend domestic and international constraints applicable to state surveillance to international intelligence sharing agreements to prevent the emergence of parallel surveillance frameworks with double standards. In order to avoid the mishandling of intelligence information, due diligence obligations must be imposed on states obtaining, accessing, using, analyzing, retaining, and sharing intelligence information. In particular, states must be required to analyze the accuracy or verifiability of the information received prior to acting upon it, ensure the agencies with whom the information is shared do not have a negative human rights record. Again, with third parties, they're able to share with whoever they want, and oversight mechanisms need to be implemented to review, monitor, and express recommendations on all aspects of intelligence sharing agreements, ensuring that states comply with due diligence obligations. I mean, ideally, we just don't want anybody collecting this information. I was just going to say. I don't think there's any world where that happens. And they're like, wow, we must put constraints on the spying that we're doing. Yeah. But I mean, I tell you to write people who are in charge in your place of living. So do that. Maybe send them what I just said. <laughs> say, uh, hey, from Journey to the Fringe. But yeah, shit's fucked. Yeah, that is. And yet they're still asking us if it's okay if our phone call's being recorded when we call any company. Yeah. <laughs> Tell Great Britain I said no. <laughs> Tell the Queen I do not consent. <laughs> we're gonna have to do those Facebook posts that were popular like 10 years ago, where you're like, I am posting that I do not consent to Facebook selling my personal. <laughs> In all our phone calls from here on and out. Then or just, just, you know, everyday conversations. Then it'll just be collected in the information that they're spying on yeah. us on. This guy yeah. says she doesn't consent to the queen a lot. But that's my Five Eyes episode, Chelsea. Any questions? I don't have any questions per se. No, I, I as always, I ask as I go along. But this is absolutely just a few verbs I'm going to use in for infuriating. No, is that a verb? Okay, just forget that I said what part of language it is. Adjective. 
Adjective. Infuriating. Terrifying. To name a few. I don't have any more adjectives than that in my vocabulary right now. Yeah, and a lot of things that we talk about, you could chalk up to ignorance, like why people don't know about them. I'm not so sure with like the Five Eyes program. I genuinely think it was like something that most people have never heard of, nor no. like, you have to go out of your way to find out about it. I mean, kind of, because I've heard of Edward Snowden. And he pretty much outright said it, but I didn't catch that part, I guess, of what he was saying. Yeah, apparently. Me too. Uh, so, I mean... And I think a lot of people. Yeah, obviously, if you don't look just, like, into it at all, then you don't know this information. I feel like China probably knows, though. They probably looked into this information a little bit. But it's crazy. This is absolutely crazy. So basically all these countries, including Canada, eventually have all of my information. I mean, it's probably not great information to them, but they have it in our large footprints that we leave. Yeah, there's going to be people out there too who say like, well, I have nothing to hide. Why is this a problem? Yeah, a lot of well, people say that. Well, you personally might think you don't have anything to hide, but that really depends on the viewer and the scrutinizer and how they convey the information or feel the information is presented like we know information can be skewed yeah and the point of the matter is not that you have nothing to hide it's that that's your privacy to begin with yeah and that's well and let's face it right. times change and it's pretty easy to have things that uh 10 years ago pretty terrible yeah through that so, and i have nothing to hide i've always heard a good comparison too as well we're just gonna have somebody follow everybody around each person's gonna have their own person with a gun and if they commit a crime that person will shoot them hmm. i have nothing to hide so why would i have a problem with the person with a gun following me around everywhere it stops crime exactly that isn't the point it, the problem is is that you're giving up on privacy and a way of life that uh, you didn't want to be scrutinized exactly and who knows what's down the line in a society where it's okay for all these countries to spy on your citizens exactly we really need to trust the guys with the guns there <laughs> yeah exactly that's a good way to put it because i jaywalk like a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so much more convenient. Right. That's an episode in itself at some point, Traffic Conspiracies. And this also segues nicely into the Pine Gap episode that we'll do at some time in the future. Yeah, it's, it'll segue nicely into the future at some point when we do Pine yeah. Gap. We'll keep that in mind. Yeah. But that's where we're going to end it this time. For the Queen of England, thank you for listening. Although you might not have intended, you sure did by implication of this episode. Yeah, and she does not have my permission to listen to this episode, by the way. For the rest of you, thank you all for listening and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>